Hey, everybody. Thank you again. I want to take a quick moment to say that. And also, if you enjoy what I'm doing here, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy the guests that I'm having on, if you enjoy the subject matter, please go to wherever you download your podcasts from and subscribe to it. That helps me out. Also, if you write a review or or at least rate it, that also helps me out with these platforms, algorithms and such, helps me get seen a little bit by people who haven't seen this or heard this yet. Also, if you go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com, I have an Amazon portal link. And if you go through Amazon, whenever you're doing Amazon shopping, if you go to Amazon through my website, a percentage of whatever you purchase helps support this podcast. So please do that. I'm Steve Service, and this is The Art of Fitness. Hey everybody, welcome to The Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Service and today I'll be talking with Jamie Hagia. Jamie is a 32-year-old CrossFit athlete, coach, and owner of Torrance CrossFit in California. This five-foot, two-inch competitive force of positivity, strength, and inspiration is a team member of the Phoenix Rise in the National Pro Grid League, a former point guard for USC, a retired European professional basketball player, and she is also a CrossFit Games veteran. She's been a staple regionals competitor since 2013, but after a full rupture of her Achilles in 2014, she has made a remarkable climb to achieve an 18th place worldwide finish at the 2016 CrossFit Games. Jamie is the kind of person you really want to talk to when you're feeling down, when you're feeling like shit. <laughs> you know the type. I mean... Um, we all have them, at least one of them in our lives. She just makes you feel like like a little bit more positive about the day. Um, she shares some struggles she's had in the past and continues to have some issues with, but I get the impression that nothing can really hold this woman back, and I really want to get to this conversation, so let's get to it. Let's listen to my conversation with Jamie Hagia. Jamie. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on to the Art of Fitness. Thank you for having me. Listen, so I, I couldn't wait to talk to you because you have a, a beastly, beastly athletic background. And, um, <laughs> if you can and, call it that. Well, I, I, that's what I call it. And, um, and I wanted to talk to you about a bunch of things. Um, but first, I want to talk to you about... The 2017 regionals. You just came off of the California regional. I and, did. Um, you did. Not my best performance, but I did. <laughs> so, so what? What? Uh, what were you expecting? What? What went on there? I mean, you know, I th I think you're great anyway, but you say not your best performance. Tell me. Yeah. About your um. I mean, obviously, like, uh, I had done. You know, I was prepared, and we had been training, and I felt really good. Um, I hired a gymnastics coach in Duke Van Vliet, um, and everything was going really well. Um, the workouts did come out. So I did have a little hiccup um, in the open during the bar muscle up workout. I strained my lat pretty bad. Um, so when 17, I think that was 17.2. So when 17.3 came around with the chest to bar, um, I had to just suck it up and kind of 
do all the chest bar on my lap. But ever since then, I stayed off of it for about two months. Um, so it was pretty tough because obviously, like pulling is definitely something That's I need to a big work part on. Of gymnastics, yeah. Yeah, and so and and my gymnastics was progressing so well, and so to have that little bump in the road, which which I'm not trying to like publicly put out there or like try to make excuses because everyone's no, injured. And yeah, everyone I fights. asked. I'm the one who asked. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so basically, I, I, I did everything I could. I was, you know, I saw a ton of different people: PT, uh, Gr- Graston, um, ART, or um, chiropractor, every everything, acupuncture. Yeah. Um, but basically, these people worked around the clock to try to get me back into things. Um, the workouts were announced. I wasn't obviously being a, a heavy mover and a, <laughs> a lover of barbells. I right. wasn't super pumped, but, um, but I was, you know, I would have been okay. And then I think the, the fact that I had to sit out for two months on my lat made it a little bit more stressful for me. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, with what, what I did, I did the best I could. And that's why I kind of am happy that even, you know, a lot of the people were like, you have to be proud that, you know, you were even, even able to do the weekend on, on your lat and come back. So, so it is what it is. Yeah, man. Yeah. But you know, 14th is nothing to scoff at. And, but I understand that, you know, Ugh, I don't especially, think it's great. <laughs> I know, but listen, you know, especially, you know, with the kind of, um, I mean, you're a natural competitor and, you know, I just want to say that, dude, yeah, f- 14th might really be a hard pill to swallow for you because yeah. Jesus, it's an entire year and, and, and prior to that of training and anticipation. And right. And I, I kind of just wrote a thing yesterday. I like collected my thoughts. Um, it took till Tuesday, but um, and and I just kind of basically just said like I know that that one weekend doesn't define me as a person, and CrossFit is what I do, but it's not who I am. Right. So that's a really important message I think for everyone who who has done regionals, who's heading into regionals, just to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, that's a really great. That's a great to share um, because look let's let's start getting into what does define you man because here you you were a point guard for usc right <laughs> yeah um you played professional basketball in greece and spain i did um i i read that you did judo as a kid uh-huh. um, you were a team member on the phoenix rise wow you did so, your research man you know everything <laughs> well you know and, and i want to talk to you about these experiences of yeah yours, but but when did you wake up and and realize that you were a competitor, Jamie. I mean, what what when in your past? How old are you? I think like I mean, from the early age, I have an older sister, and she had always played sports, and um, and so when my parents put me, I started playing basketball when I was actually four four years old. There's um, kind of crazy, but there's these Japanese American leagues uh, here. They're all over uh, California, and um, I basically started playing. I grew up playing in those leagues. And uh, I just loved, loved the game. Um, it, fortunately, my parents put me in a lot of different sports. So I grew up playing softball, golf, soccer, tennis, swimming, basketball. Um, but as I grew up, like as I got into middle school and high school, um, my love for basketball just grew so much. And I knew that was the one sport I wanted to really pursue. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of kids play a lot of things and and uh, very few of them go on to <laughs> compete at the international <laughs> level. So, you know, when when you're going through these things and you're being put into a multitude of different sports to see, I'm assuming your parents were seeing, you know, what stuck, what you liked, what your interests were. Oh, they, sorry, um, they were saying what? 
you know, I'm, I'm sure that your parents were trying to figure out, you know, what you were interested in, where, where your passion lied. You found basketball. And what made you say, okay, I'm going to pursue this to the nth degree? Um, I think it was just, like, the love of the game. I, I loved competing. I loved um, – in middle school, I started playing on a club team, a travel team. Um, and that's when I really got exposed to, you know, playing against different and top players and traveling. And um, and it was kind of crazy. Like, even in middle school, some of the girls were, like, on my team were changing high schools just so they can get a better chance to get a scholarship and things like that. Um, and I ended up going to my local high school. Um, we were, It's not like we are incredible. Um, we did – we won our Ocean League um, three, three years out of the four years I was there. Um, but definitely not big on recruiting or, you know – we actually are known for the opposite um funny story lisa <laughs> <Anti> leslie <laughs> she actually played against our high school and so we're known she scored a hundred points against our high school wow, <laughs> and i think wow. it was by halftime <laughs> wow isn't that like so um so yeah so we're definitely not you know known for basketball but i wanted to um i i knew that i i wanted to play in college and and i didn't care like my height and my ethnicity i i knew that i could make it and that if that's what i wanted to do if i put in the work then i then i can do it somehow and how tall are you, Jamie? Uh, five two and a half, <laughs> five oh four on paper. Oh my God, dude! So you like defied the odds here, uh, with women's basketball. But, uh, um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, it's just tough. I, I think my whole life, like for especially for basketball and getting recruited to the next level, everyone was like, "Yo, she's really good, but you know, she's too small," or "Oh, you know, she'll never play Division One," or things like that. Um, and I, and I do think uh, my ethnicity played a, a little part of it. You know, like it's not every day you see a Japanese American girl out there, and you don't think associate that with basketball. You know, right? Um, but uh, yeah, but I'm so happy that USC took a chance on me, and and that change was life changing. Yeah, man. And you said you, you heard a lot, oh, she's too small, she's too this, she's too that. How, how much of that inspired you to um, shut them up? Oh, <laughs> so much. I um, mean, you know, I always say that spite is a fantastic motivator. I feel as though mo almost all of the, the s achievements and successes I've had in life I could trace back to spite in some way to one conversation or one look. Definitely. And, <laughs> and, and can you, do you have a moment in time where you just said, you know, pardon my language, but you know, I'm, I'm going to show that fucker. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think um, there actually was a specific moment. Um, I played against a local girl who was getting recruited all across the country and she was a point guard. Um, and uh, we, had the same exact stats like I think we both ended up with like I don't know 25 30 points or something like that and stats all the way across the board and uh someone had talked to the coaches that were there recruiting her and they're like oh like how about you know number two Jamie from south and they're like oh yeah she's good just um yeah we're not interested you know and so I for me it was hard for me to understand like how am I not getting looked at when I had the same exact game as this other girl and she's getting recruited all all across the country right um, but, but it motivated me to work harder and, and I, you know, I was the first one there at practice. I was the last one to leave. Um, fortunately the boys coach of the varsity team on, um, he let me practice with the, the guys team. So I would go and, you know, they're bigger, phys more physical, stronger, more athletic. Um, so I would go practice the, with those guys and, and that kind of helped me out a lot too. When I got to the next level. Forge the machine that you are. Um, and then you played in Greece and Spain. What was that like? Uh, it was awesome. I uh, 
I think kind of the theme is like believing in myself this whole time. And, and I knew like to get to the next level in college, I knew I could do it. Um, and then my best friend um, on my USC team, she was an All-American. She had an agent and, and he was like, you know what, Jamie, we'll try to place you over there. And, and even me, I was like, am I good enough to play out there? And they're like, of course you are, you know? And so um, I waited all summer and luckily um, I got a phone call in July saying like, hey, we got you a team and you're heading out to Greece. And um, it was an incredible experience. And I, I loved like the culture and the people and the food and just being able to see another side of the world. And, and yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, man. I hear, I hear, I haven't been to either Greece or Spain, but I hear both are just amazing. Oh, yeah, you got to go. Yeah, man, totally. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that it came up after you, you come off from uh, Europe that um, you're going to look at the WNBA. Mm -hmm. And what, what was the decision that made you not pursue that? So, and this is why it kind of plays into like how I feel now. Um, basically, I wanted to give basketball one last shot before I hung up my shoes. And I wanted to know, like, walking away, I tried everything I could. And, and I'd be ha happy and peace with that. So my last thing was I tried out for the Sparks. Um, that's a WBA team in Los Angeles in 2012. I gave it everything I had. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't make the team. But um, when I didn't make the team, this is why I think it's funny how things all work out. Um, they had me come out and do a Asian American night for them. And I ran a basketball clinic on Staples Center floor. And there was uh, over 300 kids there. And uh, one of the dads of the girl that came, uh, he messaged me on Facebook and said, Hey, Jamie, like I, the way you move, the way you warm up, I, I own a CrossFit gym in LA. I think you'd be really good at it. Um, come try it out. Um, so that's kind of how, when I didn't make the team, uh, CrossFit kind of, this other door opened up for me. That's so crazy. And that's kind of how like, I got into it. And the same night? <laughs> in, in, in my mind, it's the same night. It just all <laughs> happened all at once. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, um, pretty much, kind of. I actually told them, I was like, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And, and then, so tell me the, tell me the trajectory of how, how you ended up doing this then. Yeah, I had heard so much about CrossFit and everybody was telling me like, Jamie, you got to do this. Oh my gosh. Like I was one of those typical like 24 hour fitness girls who paid like, I don't know, $24 a month. And they're like, it's a steal. If you can get in for a hundred dollars a first month for the first hundred members. I was like, what? what? Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So I actually like, um, kind of like was anti CrossFit for a little bit in the beginning. <laughs> And until I finally was like, okay, fine. I, I told him because he kept bugging me. And I was like, I'll come one time. Um, and so then, and then I went and I loved it. You yeah. know, the competitive nature of it, sure. the the physical aspect of it. Like I, I just fell in love with it like most people do. Yeah, man. Well, like most, most athletes do, it definitely draws that kind of mentality. Um, and, and you're also, you, you, um, you're on the Phoenix Rise, right? I am, yeah. And what's that like, man? You know, I mean, how, how does that differ and how does that change your training throughout the year? I mean, I mean, obviously, um, it, it's not obvious. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that, <laughs> you know, you, you own a CrossFit gym, mm -hmm. you are a CrossFit coach, that CrossFit has just become sort of your lifestyles and you're a high level competitor. So obviously your year, um, you have the games in mind or at least the season to com to compete 
right and, and go to the games how does how does the grid fit into that what does that look like um yeah i was one of the like so my coach that i um have for crossfit is mike lee from opex and uh they were one of the first you know, phoenix rise was an uh slash opt or opex at the time uh, when the season first started so fortunately, I was one of the first ones to get signed. Um, and then unfortunately, um, the very beginning of the season, well, before it even started, there was an exhibition match in Vegas for the combine. Um, and I, we were doing an exhibition match against um, another team. And uh, that's where I t actually tore my Achilles. Oh, that was 2014. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so, I, so that, was, that was at an exhibition Game. Yeah, yeah. Was that and on so, one of those high box jumps? Yes, it was uh, rebounding 30-inch box jumps as fast as I could. I, like, did a set of 10, and then you had to repeat the race. So, like, a couple minutes later, I was supposed to go in and do the same thing. And then Okay, the wait, 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 because I, I, I just want to interrupt. So, so I've, I've had an athlete that this happened to, but uh -huh. you, at five foot two, were rebounding 30-inch <laughs> box jumps. Yeah, I think... All right, I think that that would, like, equate to... Uh, myself rebounding a 54-inch box jump. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm exactly. Uh, yeah, I think basketball just kind of helped me crap. out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess so, man. So, yeah, but I think I remember this happening. I think I remember this happening because it happened at around the same time as this happened to to the athlete that I was coaching. Oh, um, man. But anyway, I'm sorry to Did they do it on you. box jumps as well? They did it on box jumps, and yeah. you know, and he, you know, he looked at me like I hit him with a baseball yep. bat. Is, is yep, that how yep. it felt? That kind of is a tell, tell-telling uh, uh, story of it when you look behind you and you think someone hit you and there's no one there. Mm. All right, so you go down, and then that—that that was your first season. Yeah, that was the very uh, first season of Grid. So I actually had to miss out um, on that entire season, mm -hmm. um, and that was in July or June. Um, so kind of like, that's why I'm so impressed by Alethea Boone. Um, she yeah. tore her Achilles this past games in July and right. she qualified for regionals, uh, qualified for the games and finished third in the Pacific and just so impressive, yeah, super man. impressive. It's really impressive. But, uh, but yeah, it's a tough injury to come back from. Definitely. So you had a full rupture. Yeah. Oh man. So, and you know. all my years of playing all my years of CrossFit, that was my first major, major injury. So I think um, it was very eye-opening. I, you know, I, you think I take for granted a lot of things. And when I was trying to recover, like the biggest thing, even just getting up to walk to go t to the bathroom or get myself a glass of water, you know, that was taken away from you. And, and so it really makes you appreciate the little things in life. Yeah, man, I hear you. I, I tore my ACL this, oh. this year. This um, past year? Yeah, yes, oh. I'm walking around on it right now. So it just happened in January. I just haven't had a chance to go in to get it fixed yet. Oh, man. But, but um, How'd you, know, you do I'm it? Skiing, dude. Oh. So stupid. You know, I, ha eh. I have an eight-year-old son yeah. that, um, you know, sometimes thinks of me as a superhero. So sometimes <laughs> I, I feel as though I need to measure up to those <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> expectations. And, uh, you know, it was just mileage, and it was time for it to go. Dang. But, but my... Like you, my first real injury where I was like, holy shit, man. It's um, crazy. I'm, I'm not invincible. Yeah, right. <laughs> what you think is you this? are. Yeah, so what wow. did recovery look like for that, for you? For um, a full rupture of the Achilles, man. Yeah, so I was, and, and it's funny, everyone, like my buddy just did it, and, and Alethea, and a bunch of people. So, like, going back, I had to try to remember. I, I, I remember, like, 
I was in a boot or I was in a cast for two weeks and then like a boot for another like month or month and a half and and learning to walk again, learning to jog again. Um, I, I was surprised I was actually able to add in like, you know, squatting came back fairly quicker. Like the last couple of things and the hardest parts I have are um, running, obviously. <laughs> and I did horrible at the games. I got last place in the trail run. Anyways, <laughs> um, but um, I, running. I just, I just love it. I just love when, <laughs> when people like yourself are coming up. Oh, man, I did horrible at the games. <laughs> You know, like it, like it was so easy. Like you just showed up and decided <laughs> to do the games. <laughs> you know, oh. I did horrible at the game. Like you know how many the sea of people behind you that wish they could do horrible at the games. <laughs> yeah, true. That's why I, I take it like with a grain of salt. I'm so blessed to be there, but uh, and don't take it too like you know serious. Like that, I got last place. It's it's okay. You know, and people had warned me. They're like, hey, dream if you can go in with a good. Um, attitude and good mentality of like knowing there's going to be ups and downs and don't get too high and don't get too low and just kind of stay in the middle like so I didn't really get too bummed out when I did get a last place I think I might have gotten two <laughs> but uh but yeah so it was a great experience um but yeah but definitely from like my Achilles running um still bothers me I don't have full range of motion as much as my right side damn but that's um a, but other than that things are okay like double unders are okay box jumps ugh. I freaked out when Dave Castro announced that at the games on um, this past year, yeah, but I yeah. went for it. Yeah, man, totally. Um, and and you walked out of there. Yeah, thank goodness, right. thank goodness. So listen, let's let's switch gears a little bit because um, you know, and if this is annoying to you and oh no, an old hat to you, I apologize, but it's something that I want to acknowledge because after hearing about your background and hearing what a competitor you are. And hearing about, you know, we're, I'm st we're starting to get a picture of the kind of mentality you have and positivity, positivity you bring to what you do. And, um, and I just want to talk about this Instagram post that you did, I think, back in 16. Oh, um, gotcha. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly and, what you're talking and, about. <laughs> you know, but on, on, top of, on top of everything that you've done physically and, and with your career and with your athleticism and... Um, and overcoming obstacles like being a five foot two Japanese professional basketball player, um, which is you know an it's it's an obstacle, and um, mm -hmm. and yet you know you you put out this this Instagram post or Facebook post that went viral about y your issues with body image, right? And um, you know you say you struggle with body image issues, and I, I just apologize if you've already talked about this oh no it's okay I, I love actually talking about it. i think it's great for um for myself and to learn the self-accepting process and also for hopefully if it helps out anyone else out there like that's great yeah i mean you know when did when did the struggle begin jamie i mean i've always been um i wouldn't say overweight but uh, like you know, coming from a Japanese American and or Asian American family, my my sister's like a hundred and something pounds, like a hundred ten pounds. My mom's tiny. Um, all my friends were little, so you know, I remember my one of my good friends was named Jamie, so she was little Jamie, and I was big Jamie. Um, so oh, I think I was always aware of it um, growing up. Um, the judo thing, I I did. For those of you who didn't hear, I I took judo as a as a kid. I was in fifth grade, and um, I it was the competitive part of it. So we had to get weighed in and, and I weighed more than all the popular boys that ever, all the girls liked. And it was so embarrassing that I, that I quit. And, um, 
and I and I wish I would have stuck with it, and it, it couldn't it didn't bother me, but it did, and um and so you know all through high school I kind of, you know, was aware of you know my weight, and 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 fortunately like and for basketball it's not really aesthetics, like it doesn't matter we wear a huge jerseys, so it's all covered up, you know. Right. So when I got into the sport of CrossFit, um, it was very interesting. Like at first, it was very good for me because I saw people like Camille LeBlanc, and I was like, "Wow, we have very similar body types." Like, you know, and people were praising her body, and so it kind of helped me out, and and I felt good about myself. And right. then somehow along the way, like it shifted to this: damn, everybody has crazy six packs and and zero body fat, and I don't look like them, and you know, and and I. I knew, like, I made the games, and some people would look at me and be like, how did she make it? She doesn't even look like, you know, she's in shape or, or you know, doesn't look like all the other girls. And, and so it was just something that was on my mind. I don't have a blog or anything, and it just those are my was, thoughts. Was that, was the, yes, that's what I was going to ask. Were those your thoughts, or did you hear people saying this shit? No, you know, it, it really is my thoughts and was my insecurities, and, um, and, and really what, what sparked it was um, – Reebok uh, puts on a Reebok training grounds uh, camp before the games where you get to go out and they fly up to headquarters and you get to meet all these, you know, all your competitors and in a friendly environment. And uh, we uh, went to run this thing called the Blue Hill that Ben Bergeron puts uh, all his athletes through. And and usually I don't really take off my shirt in the gym or work out with my shirt off, but it, it was hot. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to get tan. I'm going to enjoy it. We ended up taking a picture on the, in the middle of like Jen Smith, Katrin, um, Christy Atkins Phillips, and and these curls, like, it's crazy. It's not like I, you know, look Absolutely. fat or anything, but, like, <laughs> they have crazy six-packs, and I just, you know, was, had a flat stomach and no definition, and and I, I just looking at it, it, it kind of, like, uh, sparked just different emotions and all these thoughts into my mind and made me um, end up writing that post. And once you wrote it, what kind of feedback did you get? Uh, it was kind of crazy. It was just literally one night I was on my couch and I wrote that and posted it. And then, um, then uh, the next morning I woke up and it was crazy. People were like, Jamie, oh my gosh, like people reposted it. Yahoo, Yahoo did a, you know, they reposted your thing and, uh, all these different like avenues that, that it was receiving attention from. And, and honestly, that wasn't my intention at all. I just kind of was, you know, putting down my thoughts and, and I, I'm an open book, so I wanted to, you know, let people know how I felt, but to receive, like, that kind of uh, feedback, and, and, and it was awesome, like, so many women and men, I didn't realize, like, reached out to me saying, like, thank you, thank you for being honest, thank you for putting this out there for us, and, um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't realize men, too, they have it hard, you know, they have this image that they have to hold up to, and, and a six-pack, and all these things, and, you know, and so I just, it was very neat for me to, to hear all that feedback. Yeah, man, I bet. And I'm glad you did it. You know, you say some of it's genetics, um, that you don't have a six-pack. And you also say s some of it is, look, <laughs> you know, I, I like to eat, man. Yeah, you know? I know. And, and, but also, you eat to perform. Right. You know? I has I asked a question. Um, once we get into phys the physical, we'll get there. But, yes. you know, I always say, you know, what's your macronutrient? I always ask just a little bit about diet. Uh-huh. And... And that is that is right before I ask, okay, how much do you work a day? Right. You know, because I think people get into this um, mindset of watching 
watching these high-level athletes or high-level bodybuilders or high-level anything where mm-hmm. fitness is the center of sport, right? Right. And and they think, well, you know, if I just do it, I'll look like that. Or if exactly. I eat like that, I'll look like that. <coughs> yeah. That's not true, man. Right, that's, right, right. That's not true at all. That's not the case. It's it's a long process of, yes. of finding what works for you uh, in terms of performance and if uh-huh. that's not if that if that's not the case then you know right you could eat a different way but oh it's need, totally true you need to put out some people can get away like myself when when i'm competing i literally have to eat like a bird if i don't yeah. eat like a bird i feel like total shit i feel yeah. lethargic i feel slow but mm-hmm. um, you know i know other people who literally quadrupled their calories in order to perform and right it depends on the individual oh Um, yeah it's totally individualized for everybody um that's the kind of neat thing and and you kind of just have to figure out what works like like you said you just have to find out what works best for yourself yeah man and i'm really glad i'm i'm so glad that you put that post out there oh thank you because you know it just goes to show you that hey look man you know you're doing something yeah and I, I just didn't want people to think like, oh, I have to look this way to make regionals or make the games, yeah. you know? And right. I'm like, no, you don't need to look a certain way. It's it's about your performance and your athletic ability and your, um, you know, more so than how you look. And if, if we wanted to, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know, if you want to look a certain way, go go for it, you know? Whatever it is you want to do, I you know, that's great. And that's what you should be eating to support your goals. Absolutely. Well, thank you for posting it, and thank you for being brave. Oh, you're welcome. And um, are you ready to do this questionnaire? Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Section number one, the physical. How many meals do you consume in a day? Um, I usually have about four, um, and it'll kind of depend. Um, and they're smaller. Um, I know we're going to get into macronutrients and all that breakdown, but um, I have come a long way in my eating habits and realizing I um, I used to eat two meals a day, like, and and that's did not work out well for me. Right. And um, so you're up to four and in in percentages of fat, protein, carbs, what's your macro macronutrient? I'll have about um, 150 grams of protein. This is throughout the whole day, not broken down by meal. Um, 150 grams of protein, 300 grams of carbs around roughly and then 90 grams of fat. Um, which comes out to roughly around 2,600 calories a day. And obviously um, it changes depending on if I'm working out twice a day, if it's uh, just an aerobic session, um, if it's a rest day. So, yeah. So you're, you're constant, constantly manipulating your caloric intake um, based on activity level. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm super simple. I, I honestly, like, um, I, I, I'm with RP strength and Nick Shaw has been amazing and, and so informative telling me, you know, just to, to make it real easy for me to break down. So, so I don't have to worry. I, I don't weigh and measure every single piece of food that I put into my body. Um, but kind of more eyeball it and kind of have a better idea of portion size and, and timing and all that good stuff. And speaking of timing, um, how much time do you take between eating and training? Um, I'll usually take about an uh, usually an hour. <laughs> I'm not the best in mobility and warming up. I'm really bad at it. But uh, but I do try to take um, 45 minutes, at least an hour, before I, I start hitting it hard. Great. And do you do anything post or intra? I know that RP is up on that a lot. 
Yeah. They're big on, um, like In intra, intra card. Yeah. Intra and, and post. Um, I'll, I'll do like a, sometimes I'll, I'll have a shake in between. I really do like this drink called greater than it's like a coconut water. And, um, and so that's great for post and it actually in the middle too. Um, and so that's what I'll usually take in the middle of it. And, uh, and then right after, um, either with my greater than or a shake, then I'll wait, uh, 30, 30, 40, whenever I can to go get, um, my food. I, I'm horrible. I don't cook. I'm the worst. <laughs> so, um, territory foods is, is these pre-made meals and they're fresh and they're delivered to our gym. And so that's easy for me just to get my hands on right away and eat, um, right after I'm done working out. Excellent. And how, how often do you work out in a day? How often do you train? Usually twice. Um, there's usually an AM and a PM session. If I'm really busy, then I'll cram everything into one. It's not usually the best or the most productive, but um, at least I'm getting all of it in. Um, and, and I've kind of like learned to listen to my body if something hurts, if something's bothering me, like it's okay to skip or take that out for the day. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you this, how hard is it to eat during <laughs> or consume simple carbohydrates during when you're doing a, a two-hour session. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Um, I mean, don't you want to vomit sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and unless you're doing, like, pieces where, like, hey, you're going to do, uh, you know, maybe a snatch complex here, and then you're going to take some time, and then we're going to back squat. And, you know, lifting pieces, it's okay to, like, eat and drink in between, but if you have medcons or EMOMs that are gnarly, like, it's very, very difficult to, to try to eat or drink in between those. Right. So you say... Um, it's usually a two a day. Sometimes you, you, um, pull them together. Sometimes, you know, you listen to your body. You're an ex instinctive trainer. That's, that's awesome. But what does it typically, uh, typical day look like for you? Do you split it up into, um, you say that, that gymnastics is your weakness. Do you focus on that a little bit? Do you do a little gymnastics bias? Do you split it up? Obviously your barbell game is crazy so i mean do you focus on that in the morning How, what's it look like yeah um my coach has he, uh the second piece is usually an aerobic piece um because i do need to work on getting my um i'd say my longer my conditioning up a little bit so my training partners are usually there in the morning or like morning afternoonish. so from like 10 to 10 30 or so to like 1 30 um, I have them, and, and so whatever is the most brutal, it's it's bad, but I make them do it with me. And then, um, and then Who whatever. Are they? Who are your training partners? Um, there's a guy, a coach at our gym named Dean Santos, um, Kirk Suye, and, and then I have um, Garrick uh, is a gym owner down the street from me. He owns CrossFit Provoke. He'll come. It's really neat that they all, like, even though they own, they own their own gyms, and, um, and Justin Van Dyke made regionals, and Teddy Huang. So a couple other regional guys and girls all live close by. Val Vobrel, I love, love, love her. Um, and I'm yeah. so happy we connected. Uh, a couple years ago, I ran into her at the beach. I'm from Redondo, and she's from El Segundo, which is close by. And we, I just saw her walking, and, and, and we ended up talking. And then um, she's the sweetest girl. Her family's amazing. Yeah. And so we've been training a lot together. And it's been so fun and so just refreshing to have somebody so positive and amazing, incredible to try to chase after. Yeah. I, I was, um, in my so research of you, I see her, I see you and her together and, you know, to see her moving on again, it's, um, yeah, I'd love to have her on. Actually. Oh yeah, totally. She, uh, she's great. And just so, um, 
I, I just love her energy. She's contagious. And, and even someone's put it at regionals. They're like, there's no way you can't love Val Vobrel. <laughs> she's a mom. She's a teacher. And she, yeah. uh, a five times games athlete. This will be her sixth time. But yeah, it's been really fun. And, and we both go to um, her gym, Rising Wave, because Duke Van Vliet is there. So that's where um, I do gymnastics. Uh-huh. So you run people through the ringer and, and <laughs> bounce around <laughs> and kick, kick all your partner's asses and make them do your your insane stuff right oh yeah i don't beat them all the time they beat me plenty um but the hard stuff the stuff that you know i really need somebody there to help push me otherwise it wouldn't you know obviously go as well as planned um that's and if they weren't beating you you probably wouldn't want to train with them (laughs) no i'm just happy to have somebody (laughs) there next to me um uh, being coming from basketball i've always used to being around teammates and having someone there with me. So I, I personally, I don't like to train by myself and alone. And um, it makes it a million times better when there's friends around. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, all right. Section two, the mental. Um, how would you describe your state of mind while training? You you like to be around people. What's what's your state of mind like? Um, I do. I I'm pretty lighthearted when I come into the gym. It's um, obviously I'm there to get my work done and, and to do the best I can every day. Um, but uh, but I we mess around a lot. We'll you know we have our music blasting. We'll we'll take breaks in between. And um, I I think for me to be in a relaxed, fun, positive environment is is huge over you know like um, any other kind of circumstances. So for me, I, I like to relax and and have fun with everybody and enjoy the training. Right. And if you could liken your mental state in competition, so any competition, you've competed in a lot of stuff. So if you could liken that mental state to a type of organic or inorganic substance, what would it be? And <laughs> you have some really hard questions, Steve. I was looking <laughs> at this one, and this, this is tough. Um, <laughs> It's and I want to know fun. where you get all these questions from because they're we're awesome. Just, I've made them up. We're just, uh, you know, sitting around drinking beers here. Yeah. So, you know, th- we're just having fun. You know, yeah, that's cool. At, at 9 a.m. for you. And actually, we're nowhere near each other. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a um, question. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, this one really stumped me. I, I don't really know um, what substance or, you know, it, w- it would be other than uh, there's a switch that goes off. Uh, when it's when it's competition uh, competition time and and it's just go time you know I think in training um, I somehow always for most of the part will always beat my times that I trained with um, when I run through them in my gym by myself because it's something like under those lights on the comp floor with every, all your competitors around you the crowd going crazy and it just sets you off to that next level where you don't it's just go and you put everything you have out there um and you forget everything else so i'm not really sure what maybe you can tell me which no no no, i I don't i don't know but what i was going to ask is so when you feed when you feel that energy do you feed off of it or do you feel as though you have tunnel vision oh i love it i i so you're aware of what's going on around you um yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, like, I'm focused on everything else because I'm definitely focused on the task at hand and what, what needs to be done in, the, in that time. Um, but that, that pressure, that, that energy, that, um, that's the competitor to me. I, I, I love it. So maybe you're like oxygen to a fire. Oh, cool. 
I like it. I was like, uh, gunpowder? I don't know, because I just explained Yeah, gunpowder <laughs> too, dude. Yeah, anything that ignites. I love yeah. It. I was listening to Marcus and Tasia, and they're like, you water, you know, because they're very graceful, and they, <laughs> they are. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I could be graceful, but I think I just become a, a spaz sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I am not water. I'm gunpowder, dude. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Not all the time. Um, <laughs> all right. Imagine this scenario. You're holding a baby in your right arm and a cooler <laughs> holding a vital organ in your left. You come to a canyon. The only way across is via zip line, which requires one of your hands to hold on with. You need to put one of those two things down, the baby or the vital organ. <laughs> which one do you put down and which one do you take with you? You need I, a hand, you need a hand. I need a hand, okay. Um, this year, my sister and my brother both had their um, their first children, their first oh, child. Congratulations. Thank you. Jamie. So I'm a double auntie. Um, yeah. And it's crazy. They're not even my children, but I love them so much. Um, and they're so fun. Uh, I, I don't think when I think about Sage and Clark, there's no way I'd leave them behind. Um, so I would definitely have them or one of them or both of them, if I could, in my arms. And, uh, and then, you know, I'd make them hold that cooler. And prove that they're they're tough enough, you know. And then if they drop it, then it's not my fault, you know. It's their fault. I'm just it was the baby. It was the kid. You know, and then they can't be mad. And then I'll give them my organs or whatever we need to do after that. But as long as they make it over, that's I'm good with that. Uh, it's great. All right. So a news broadcast just reports that the Earth is going to be struck by an asteroid the size of our moon. Officials have known about this for some time, but the asteroid is predicted to hit within 24 hours. It will mean a certain end for our planet and all that exists on it. How will you spend your last 24 hours? Uh, family is everything to me. Um, I've always grown up that way. To this day, they mean everything. So I would probably, um, my grandparents live in uh, L.A. and uh, we have family dinners, so I would probably have everyone gather together for um, one last dinner at my grandma's house and she's a 88 year old tiny Japanese American lady but she throws down on some lasagna and cornbread and whatever whatever else we like uh, so she'd make a big meal for all of us and uh, just spend it with family and loved ones and lots of food mm, sounds amazing yeah so, so this next one is a two-part question when is it essential to lie and when is it deplorable to tell the truth <laughs> that's a tough one too um i i don't really think it's ever okay to lie i mean i guess even like white lies when you're trying to you know like no of course you're more beautiful than this person or oh my gosh no you're greater than this person you know um that's okay. i guess that's kind of okay because <laughs> <laughs> yes. you don't want to hurt their feelings but yeah. at the same time if that creates like it usually will lead to a mistrust and then and then questionable like question your character so so yeah i hardly ever think it's okay but maybe some circumstance where it ne won't necessarily hurt so much some another person okay great and when is it deplorable to tell the truth oh i think the truth should always be told then um yeah, I, I that you got me on that one. <laughs> okay, great. All right. Who in history, real or fiction, would you describe as resilient and why that person or fictional character? There's so many people, but um the people that come to mind are my grandparents on both my mom's side and my dad's side. 
Um, they were, my mom's side, they were both uh, born in, you know, they were raised in LA and, and during um, World War II, um, they were shipped off. So basically taken from their homes, their businesses, their cars, and they're told to pack up two so suitcases, whatever you can hold in your hands, and, and them and their families uh, were shipped off to internment camps. Mm. So uh, I think, and my grandpa on the other side, he served in post-war Japan as a military interpreter, even though, you know, they were kind of um, putting our, our, his own people and his own family in camps. And and so I think for, for them to, to be able to, my grandpa went to Aurora, Arkansas, my grandma went to Hart Mountain, Wyoming, and they made their way all the way back to California with, with nothing, um, and rebuilt their lives and and to this day I've never once heard them complain I've never once heard them feel sorry for themselves and and I think that's like the epitome of resilience just awesome man yeah section three the emotions what's your idea of perfect happiness perfect happiness uh I don't know if perfect is ever achievable, but um, for me, it's it's waking up and and being excited about life and being excited to to do what you get to or you know to love what you do and and to be surrounded by people you love and so I I think perfect happiness would be self love because I I do believe that you can never give away love or love other people if you if you don't love yourself first. Um, and, and really to find and know your own happiness, you, you have to know and love yourself to, to figure out what things really make you happy. So I'd say, um, self-love is a, is a huge part of it. And then from there you can find what makes you happy. And, um, and to me, that's, I love my gym. I love people. I love helping others. I love kids. Um, I do basketball camps and the joy that it brings me to be able to give back to this community that, that helped me out a long time ago um, is huge for me. Phenomenal. What is the opposite of fear? The opposite of fear? Um, I guess I'd have to go with courage. I, I think it takes a lot of courage to, to face your fears and um, to be brave, to to go against, you know, the norm, to, to stand up for what you believe in. And uh, you need a lot of courage to, to not be afraid of things and to be able to go for it. Finish this sentence. Love is. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, love is. Uh, love is everything. I, I think. For me, I'm a religious person. I think God is love, and and He created this this beautiful earth and has given you this life, um, and and you have one shot at it. And um, so to give away love to other people freely, um, without respect or expecting anything in return, um, is one of one of the best feelings. But I think love makes this world happen. Everybody everybody needs it. Everybody wants it. Everybody uh, feels it. And um, yeah, it's very, very important, I think. I agree. What recurring trait do you notice about yourself that makes you angry? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a lot of bad traits. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Oh, man. Um, I, I don't know. I guess maybe oh, the list goes on and on. But uh, <laughs> I'm pretty messy. I, 
I, uh, <laughs> as much as I try to like my room, my car, my, you know, um, my pile of stuff in the gym, like somehow it always just gets cluttered with more and more and more stuff. And even when I do fix it or try to clean it, then it just gets back to messy and, uh, people joke that my car is like the black hole. So if you drop anything or lose anything, you'll never find it ever again. So um, I think if I can work on that, um, yeah. And I also am late so, a, a lot of times. <laughs> so You're I don't know late. if that makes me angry. I think it makes other people angry sometimes. <laughs> so I got to work on some things here. You're late and messy. Ah, uh, yeah, late. those are horrible. <laughs> okay. Those are horrible. I'm sorry, guys. No, dude, they, it could be a lot worse, believe me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, when, yeah. do you, when do you experience sadness? I experience sadness when, um, okay, this is really cheesy, <laughs> but, um, like, you know, like I love watching the voice and American Idol and all these shows, you know, Yeah. because like it means everything to them, you know? Yeah. And I think when something means so much to somebody like for them to make it and, and, you know, whatever hardships they face along the way to finally get over that hump, like I just am in tears. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. And, and I think like some of it like has to do with um, like, obviously I'm very empathetic to other people's feelings and, and a big part of sadness I, I think is death, um, which, you know, for me, I, I do believe like um, in eternal life and, and we don't really die, which, um, but, but it, but it's sad for those that are left behind and sad for those um, like mourning the loss of the loved ones and, it's it's kind of interesting. My dad is a is a pastor, um, so I remember like my great grandma when she passed away, and my dad did the funeral for her, and and he was crying like uh, well t tears were coming down his face, but he had a smile and was so happy and joyful when he was talking, even though I know he was sad. Um, but but I do think sadness a, a big part of that comes with with death and losing loved ones. Mm. Tell us about the last time you were genuinely surprised. Uh, it just was this past weekend, actually. Um, at regionals, uh, my gym is probably an hour and a half with traffic. You know, in crazy California, there's traffic all the time. Um, it can take people two, three hours to get down there to Del Mar. Wow. And I can't, like, it genuinely surprised me how many people from my gym showed up and oh, that's cool yeah and they have babies and they have you know like jobs and their own families and all this stuff going on and it surprised me that they took time to to come down there just to support me and and it was so cool like not even people from just my gym but you know i met people from um people said they they came all the way from argentina and uh, australia and mexico and and it was very surprising to see how much support this community exudes. Yeah, it's, it's so cool, man. Yeah, oh, and, the coolest. And talk about feeding your fire. What did, what did that do to you for the weekend when you saw all these folks? Yeah, like every time I would finish an event um, I, and I crossed the mat, I, I'd look up and, and these people not only came down for that whole weekend, but they would wake up at 7.30, 8 a.m. when I didn't go until my first heat till like 2 o'clock sometimes, but just so they can save seats in the stands so that they can be right in front of me um, <clears throat> when I finish and cross the line. So like to look up and to see them, it, it means everything. And, and I remember last year um, how cool it was when I finally had made it and 
I just lost it when I when I looked up at all of them. And e and even this year, not making it, um, it was the same the same exact feeling. Like so proud and so thankful and so grateful for all of their support. So awesome. Yeah. What word or action incites a feeling of disgust in you? I'd have to say um, arrogance. I, I think people who think their shit doesn't stink and, and, you know, like I, it comes all across the board for, for athletes, for um, business executor, you know, people in, um, in the corporate world, uh, anybody who feels like they're better than everyone else for whatever reason it may be. I, it just is disgusting to me because I, I just feel like, you know, you treat everyone with respect, no matter who you are or what you've done. And, and I had the most respect for people who, you know, they, you know, God gave you this gift and it's not yours. It's, it's his to, to give and share with other people. So when you are greedy and, and arrogant, it really bothers me. Yeah, man. Especially as an athlete, I think, I think your time is very short. Like you can't do this, whether it's CrossFit or any kind of basketball, any kind of sport, you can't do it forever. So if you won a million Super Bowls or NBA champions or championships or however many CrossFit games, if you're not a good person, um, they'll never like your your athletic days are long gone, and you'll you know I think far more than that, you're remembered for who you were and what kind of person, how you made people feel. Well said. Section number four. The spirit. What is your definition of the spirit? <laughs> uh, the spirit to me is, um, uh, it's the Holy Spirit to me. I, I do think um, it's, it's love, it's joy, it's, it's grace, it's humility. Um, and, and you can feel it, it's present in, in people who have that spirit in them. They're just you, you can't help but want to be around them all the time. And, and those are the people I like to surround myself with. And whether they're religious or not, um, if, if they're a good person, I, those are the people I want to be around. You sound like one of those people. Just oh, I, stick that I, in there. I, I mean, hope. Yeah, you come off like one of those people. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> all right, what happens to us when our bodies die? I believe in... Um, Obviously, I believe in heaven um, and hell. And um, then I do think that um, I do believe in eternal life. So if you're friends with Jesus, if, you're, <laughs> if you know him, if you uh, love him, then I do believe then in eternal life after we leave this earth. Awesome. Name one event in your life that you can most closely describe as a miracle. Okay, this one's crazy. Um... So basically, when I when I when I left USC, I um, I had a torn perineal tendon, so that's like right outside of your ankle bone, like down into your foot, and um, I couldn't. It was so hard for me to cut. It was hard for me to work out. It was hard for me to move and play basketball, but I wanted to go play overseas so bad. So um, USC said that it was the last time they could pay for my surgery. Um, I'd be out for six to eight months with that recovery, so I wouldn't be able to go play. So I opted not to get the surgery. 
Um, and then when I got the call that I got a, a team to go play for in Greece, I, I went over there and I, I was so worried because I knew once I got over there, when they did the physical on me, they would check and see and know that I wouldn't be able to play and were going to send me home and that would be it. And by a crazy miracle, some crazy miracle, um, it, it never bothered me ever again. I got over there and I got to play and uh, that's what opened the doors to, to playing a couple years out there and, and seeing the rest of the world. But it, it was crazy. I like had to get cortisone shots to even play the rest of my senior year on it. And, and it hurt every single time I, I practiced um, in the summer. And, and by some miracle, when I got over there, um, it, uh, it healed. Wow, dude. Isn't that crazy? That is awesome. Yeah. That's like, I, that's like one of the coolest miracle stories I've heard so far. Oh, really? Oh, that was the coolest. Oh, yeah. cool. Thanks. And, but I, I don't know. That's the same, same side I tore my Achilles on years later. But, but hey, <laughs> it made it that far. I got some good mileage on it, yeah, and I'm, yeah, uh, exactly. I'm happy. And, and, yeah, that to me, I was like, oh, it's so crazy. And that's why I tell people. I'm like, I really feel like the body knows what it needs to do to heal itself, you know? I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, I yeah, could... so sometimes surgery is required. But, but anyways, yeah, it's a crazy miracle. Yeah, that's a crazy story, man. That's super cool. <laughs> When do you feel most connected with creation? Okay, so I grew up by the beach. Um, so I'm a beach girl. I love it. I'll go down there um, if I have any free time. Just, you know, whether it's in the day to watch the waves crash on the sand or especially when the sunset sunsets over the ocean, um, which trips me out, by the way, because on the East Coast it sets behind you. <laughs> but on yeah, the West weird, Coast it right? sets over the ocean. But uh, anyways, um, so for me, like, it it does something to my mind and my body and, and I just feel so connected with like everything. Like it's, it's crazy to think that, that God created this, like the ocean goes forever and ever and ever it's endless and, and all the, the life that's down there that we have no idea about. And, and I just feel so connected, I guess, to, um, to creation when I'm, when I'm at the beach. What is the thing? that is the closest resemblance to absolute truth for you? <laughs> this is one of the hard ones, too. Um, <laughs> None of them are easy, I mean. Yeah, these are great questions. Um, absolute truth. To me, with my faith, I know that, it, that it's Jesus. I know that's my absolute truth. Um, but whether it's me or anyone else who's non, a non-believer, like, I guess an absolute truth would be, you know, we're brought into this world, uh, we'll live this one life we have, and, and we all will die. And, and so I think those who can live their life, I, I think if you can wake up every day and, and, you know, we don't know how much time we have on this earth, we don't know when it's our time to go. And, and so those who live life to the fullest, like, I think they, they get it and they, you know, they, they appreciate it and and that's the closest to the absolute truth to just be happy every day all right well here comes the easiest question <laughs> oh good <laughs> why do you feel you were put on this earth you know i had thought about this you know and and i think a lot of people when they're going through self-discovery think about this and and why you're here and what your purpose is and and, you know, through all my experience of athletics and, and um, CrossFit, I, I do believe that I'm, I'm here 
to help people to whether it's one person whether it's 50 like I if I can make one difference in their lives to either realize that whatever it is they want to do like you can do it like work hard for it and and it can be done so like believing in yourself whether it's that aspect whether it's um helping kids with basketball whether it's body image issues I feel that I have a purpose to be here to help people believe in themselves and and just um go for it go for whatever it is they want I I think I know that that is one of the reasons for to be here to help others dude Jamie Thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you so much for having me. You're, yeah. I, I love these questions. <laughs> well, what a, what a fun conversation we just had. And you're, you're awesome, man. And, you know, I wish you, a, uh, I wish you an awesome year. And I know, I know we'll see you again in domination. And, um, <laughs> you know, little setbacks right. are really little in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, you're a champion, dude. Thank you so much. Thank you. So how how can the audience connect with you? Uh, mostly I'm on the most active on Instagram. So Jamie Joyce, too. Joyce is my middle name. A lot of people are like, Jamie Joyce. And my last name is Jamie Hagia. But uh, Jamie Joyce, too, is my Instagram account. Um, I post um, workouts, basketball videos, fun, goofy stuff. Me and my friends always just have fun. We don't take life too serious. Um, and then Facebook, Jamie Hagia. And, uh, yeah, my gym is Torrance Training Lab in Torrance, California. If anyone is ever around, you're more than welcome. We would love to have you. And, um, yeah. So cool. And do you have anything coming up that we should check out? Anything you want to plug? Um, I'm really excited to, to finally get a break for a little bit. Um, but I am heading up to Portland this weekend for, sl for vacation slash I'm going to be at the regionals, um, I think, on Saturday. So if anyone's up there, I'd love to see you and come say hi. Um, other than that, we have um, something called the Box Crawl. So on June 24th, there's three different gyms um, in, the air, in my area, and you do a workout at one gym, you run to my gym, you do another workout there, and then you run um, another four and a half miles to another gym and do a workout there. It's really fun. Even though I don't like running, I will be there doing it. So if you want to suffer <laughs> along with me, um, then uh, we'd love to have you. It's called the Box Crawl. And other than that, then... Um, yeah, I'll just be hanging out. Excellent. Make sure you tape that Achilles before you do that. Uh, I will, definitely. And before you go, if you have any parting words, I like to call this uh, planting a seeds of inspiration. Um, any parting words for the audience that you could leave us with, Jamie? Yeah, um, I always, like, something I truly believe in is uh, dream big, work hard, stay humble and always 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 believe in yourself and and with that i truly believe anything is possible um but other than that i i thank you for having me and i i really enjoyed talking with you and um thank you guys for listening absolutely it has been a pleasure you you be good and we'll be in touch man because you and me are pals now yay sounds good take care uh, of that acl <laughs> yeah i will eventually Got, you know <laughs> busy busy man yeah but uh all right jamie thanks a lot Thank you so much, Steve. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Fitness. If you did, please subscribe. Write a review. Also, go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com. Scroll down and do all of your Amazon shopping through the Art of Fitness portal. It would really help support. Thanks a lot.